I don't know, Chad. I, I think suspenders are making a comeback. Hey, it's the music. It must be time for the intro. Way to pay attention, dude. Hey, everyone, this is Chad. I'm Clint, and this is Schooled Ya. It's the podcast made by teachers for teachers. Brought to you by two middle-aged teachers, dads, and hipster doofuses who talk across the country about the American education system. We hope you find our chatter as refreshing as a cool glass of lemonade on a hot day. Or at least a lukewarm, slightly flat soda. (laughs) Before we get into the meat of the episode, let's look at the results of our online poll from the School Supply Show. Good idea. Oh, well, looks like I lost again. Dang it. Dude, I told you the whiteboard was better. Yeah, well, regardless, thanks to everyone for voting and letting us know who's smarter. Me. Now that we got that settled, what do you say we play a little game, Clint? Sure, what you got? Let's play Teacher Password. Ooh, is that the one where we each have a stack of teacher terms that we've never seen? Then we try to get the other person to guess the word after giving one word clues? Yes, Clint, that's the game. (laughs) And then we'll see who is better clue giver and who's the better guesser by counting how many clues it takes to get the answer. Sounds great. I'm going to go first. Are you ready? I am ready to guess. The password is exit ticket. This is a two-word password. End. Final bell. Quiz. Final test. Leaving. Exit ticket. Got it. Nice job. That was three guesses. Cool. Nice job, man. Thanks. Or actually, really, I was Both talking to myself, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Good, good yeah. clue giving, Chad. The password is grading. This is one word. Um, A's. Grades. Uh, marking. Uh, um... Grade book? Assessing. Um, A's grade. Uh, standards. Hmm. Let's see. What? How else can I say this? Uh, quizzes? Assessments? I don't even know if I've already guessed that. I said assessing as okay. a as Okay, a okay. Uh, okay. Evaluating. Because <laughs> that's a lot different than assessing. Uh, um, um, uh, oh, God, uh, grading. Yes, it's grading. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, nice. Okay, good job, Chad. I think that was five. Way to go, Clint. We were almost at our limit. Okay. All right, here we go. Next one. The password is algorithm. (sighs) Formula. Um, math. Um, program. Spreadsheet. Rules. Man, I don't have any kind of guess. Uh, pants. Give me a clue. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right. Here's a, here's a stretch. Instagram. Application? App? Um, I've already said this one. Mathematics? No, you said formula. I guessed math. Man, my brain is not functioning. Pass. I do not know. I have no clue. Is that five clues? I think that was five, yeah. Algorithm is the word. Algorithm. Algorithm? Good lord. Is there something okay. I could have said? No. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's not a word I use very often. Yeah. Let's do better here. We're going to do we better. Here. Failures on that Man, one. Man, we started right. so good. The password is textbook. Pearson's. Textbook. Yes. Dude, nicely done. All right, here we go. Two words. The password is standardized test. Everyone. Uh, entire class. Exam. Everyone and exam. It's two words. Standardized test. Boom. Got it. But you got it in two. Nicely done. Are you ready? I'm ready. This is a two-word phrase. Okay. The password is 
summer break. Freedom. Um, two words. <laughs> um, Liberty Bell. <laughs> <laughs> I had to say something. Okay. Um, June. <laughs> summer vacation. Well, I'll give it to you. It's summer break. Okay. Summer vacation. Yep. You you started out with freedom. Because <laughs> it was, you got to leave. That was the first thing that came to mind. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. I was thinking like some sort of social studies. I was thinking like some sort of history lesson. No. Nope. Nope. Just counting down the days to summer break already. All right, man. So I tallied them up here. When I was giving you clues, uh, in order to get your three, it took 10 clues to get three. Okay. When you were giving me clues, it took eight. So I don't know who the winner is. I think we know that you are a better guesser, or I'm better at giving clues, or maybe both. Fair enough. Phew. That was tough, but good. Kind of like beef jerky. (laughs) Sure. And now a word from our sponsor, Swearspace. Have you ever been frustrated with your students and really just want to tell them off, but you can't because you would be immediately fired due to your salty language? Well, your dreams are about to come true with new obscenity-blocking software from Swearspace. Just step into your Swearspace booth and let her rip. Everything you say is immediately muted out so the kids can't hear your frustration and anger, allowing you to return to teaching having vented and ready to move on. Unruly students can be given timeout time in the Swearspace booth as well. They can rant and rave about everything they want and not distract the learning of the other students. First-time orderers will be entered into a drawing to receive prototype Squarespace headsets that make our muting technique portable and instantaneous, even during lessons. There is no reason to wait. Order yours today. Squarespace. Technology you'll swear by. Welcome back. Uh, One of the things that the world at large seems to be finally figuring out is that there's more to being healthy than just being physically fit. Right. And while I did just do an absurd amount of push-ups... 100,000 to be exact over the last year because I love to be in good shape. I also love the way physical exercise helps my mental well-being. I use chocolate for the same thing. (laughs) Also, happy birthday and congrats on achieving that goal. Thanks, man. The only downside is that I had to buy all new shirts. You know, like me over the past 12 months, they all got ripped. Boom. Clint wrote that joke, by the way. (laughs) No, you (laughs) brag too much. (laughs) Hence, my next line that says, geez, brag much. <laughs> but anyway, you're right. Proper mental health care is a major issue in the world, and perhaps even more so in schools. Yeah, so we thought we'd uh, dedicate this segment to the ways the education system as a whole can work to ensure that our students and staff are able to manage their mental health. And really what sparked this whole thing is that uh, just recently, just this school year, both Oregon and Utah passed bills where or laws, I guess, where students are able to take mental health days, where it looks like in Oregon, students get five mental health days in a three-month period. So they're able to miss school if they are having anxiety or feeling depressed or any of the other things that might come up in a child's life, which is pretty cool. I think that's great, and I'm and I'm all for it. Uh, my question is, and I and I really don't know anything about it. I mean, this is the state that I live in, and, and I still haven't really, really read much about it, but what are they doing on the days off? Is it is it a proactive type of, act? like, I mean, obviously you can do whatever you want on a mental health day, but I'm hoping that families are understanding that if they are taking mental health days, that they're doing something to kind of help with whatever that is, the anxiety or whatever it may be. And and maybe it's just sleeping in and sitting and watching TV all day, but I, I don't know if that's it. I think we can be concerned that people might abuse this, but then people abuse sick days too. 
Like, mom, I just don't feel good. I'm going to stay home. And some parents are like, yeah, okay, that's fine. And don't care and will write their kids an excuse. But I think one of the things that this does is that it kind of breaks the stigma that's associated with mental health in that when a child comes back, they don't have to explain themselves if they needed to take a mental health day. And there's not like, you were just feeling anxious. That's why you took the day off. That's dumb. And so I think it does give kids who are legitimately suffering a way to deal with it in a way that uh, before they might have felt like, well, I'm not really sick. Right. But I'm not well. I've taught in the AP type programs before, and some of those kids have so much pressure on them that they need those breaks, those mental breaks, or else they're going to really suffer. And a lot of those kids hold themselves to such high standards that even though they may be suffering, because there's not something in the rules that says that they can do it, that they could take time off for that, they wouldn't give themselves permission. They would say, I'm not really sick. I'm just going to go on with it. And I think that that is one of the best parts about this whole thing. I mean, I think one of the big things with mental health right now, which is awesome, is that people are addressing that it's an issue. And it's totally normal. And it's no different than a sprained ankle or anything else that we have to treat it and, and take care of it. Here in Virginia, one of the things that they are really being strict about in our legislation is kind of the opposite. They only excuse absences if you have a doctor's note or you're going through the court system. Like, those are the only two things that can get you out of school. And I think that that is to the detriment of a lot of our kids who are suffering with things that maybe they don't need to go see their therapist that day, but they still need that mental break. We're kind of talking out of both sides of our mouth sometimes too. Like right now in our school district, we have a push for what what's called Strive for Five. And we're really trying to encourage students to not miss more than five days of school year. And, and there's a ton of evidence that backs up. That's kind of a big dividing line. It's like students who miss more than that do tend to do worse academically. And so like, it is important to be at school. And so it's kind of sometimes a mixed message, I think, that maybe parents get from districts. I've got this New York Times article from July 24th of this year when these laws were passed. And they quote some statistics and some other information from some experts. And there's this one expert, her name is Debbie Plotnick. Uh, She's the vice president of mental health and systems advocacy at Mental Health America. One of the things that she said is that when we don't give kids the opportunity to deal with these kinds of things, like forcing them to go to school makes them suffer from something called presenteeism, which is being physically present, but not fully present and not mentally present. And she also talked about, and this is something that we haven't brought up yet. What happens is, and this is a quote, as a matter of public policy, for decades, we have waited until stage four, until crisis, and then treating it only through incarceration or having kids thrown out of school. We think that this kind of legislation will help people reach out when they need to, not be afraid to do so and not be ashamed. And I think that a lot of the problems that our children face as far as discipline is concerned may come from some of the trauma that we've talked about and maybe they need breaks. Maybe they need to be away from it and maybe those things would keep us from having to kick them out of class because they're in crisis mode and they need that time off. But we're saying, no, you must be in school. That's not a great environment for them at that moment. I think being more flexible, I think, is a good way for us to um, be headed in the school systems. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how this plays out, um, you know, after a couple of years. One of the things that just kind of struck me is, you know, I wonder if our lower SES families will have the access to take advantage of these as much as, you know, you kind of cited some of your higher achieving students who are probably going to be much more aware of kind of like how to use it and how to access it. And it just concerns me that the students that maybe need this most aren't the ones who, who are going to get it. And 
the other concern that I always have is we both have lots of students who, while they don't perform well and they are maybe not academically engaged all the time, school is sometimes a safe haven for them. We've talked about that on the show before with like right before Christmas break, where now all of a sudden I've got to be home for two and a half weeks with a dysfunctional family and, and all kinds of other things. So one of the, the scary things about this is the kids who maybe need that those mental health sick days, just staying home is not necessarily giving them that that help that they need. And so I think that's probably the second piece to, to figuring this all out. Yeah, I think that that's a good point. It's actually a fantastic segue, way to go, podcast expert, <laughs> into some of the things that because a school is a place that is sort of a safe haven, uh, looking at things that we can do to help kids with their mental health just across the board. And one of the things that would be helpful for that would be to increase the quantity and in some cases quality of counseling. Um, I know that the Astoria High School Counseling Department, at least when I left, had dropped to only two for the entire school. And at Patrick Henry, where I work, there's the round eight for 2,000 kids. But that's a fairly large caseload. And a lot of times what those counselors are tasked with is making sure that students are signed up for the right courses and don't have as much time as they ought to to help students with their emotional needs or with their mental health needs. Again, Patrick Henry High School has a clinic for your physical health, uh, but we don't have as much available for the mental health stuff. And I think if we had more counselors and more availability for that kind of help for kids, I think that they would take advantage of it. I think it sometimes can be a little confusing for students too, in that that those are even people that you can go access for that, in that, you know, I mean, our counselors are awesome and, and you know them and, and, and they do a great job, but they are the ones that are coming into classrooms and talking to you about financial aid and when to sign up for SATs. And I think for some kids who really don't necessarily read all the signs and, and really know how to access things, because we are all not great at that sometimes. They also don't realize that those people are there for that other purpose and to go talk to. And so that's a difficult spot to be in, especially when they're being pulled in so many directions and being asked to do so many different things. I will say one thing that I really have seemed to notice more in the years I've been teaching is that we have a lot of programs in the community that use our space and that access our kids. We have a mental health counselor that comes in and makes appointments with kids. We have people through Upward Bound and and those kind of programs where those people spend a lot of time with kids in the academic realm in terms of getting them ready for college and and doing things like that and applications and resumes and all that stuff so that hopefully that maybe frees up a little bit of our time for our counselors to to do more of that mental health work but yeah it's still it's still a tricky deal and i think that a way to work that into the schools a little bit better would be in your teacher training to have more counseling training for teachers so that they are able to even just identify warning signs or being able to help intervene with conflict management and and be able to do the different skills that that kids need to learn. I I don't remember ever taking a class on anything like that and I I really wish I had. I think some teachers might say, well, I want to be a math teacher. I I don't want to be a counselor, but the reality of it is like you're dealing with kids on a daily basis. And at, like you said, at at the very least, just some basics, uh, especially warning signs or, you know, it's always been very helpful with me talking to our counselors about just some things that you can say in situations. You know, when we have a traumatic situation happen in our community, I'm always appreciative of kind of the message we get from our counseling department of when a student says this, here are some suggestions for how you can address it so that you're not saying the wrong thing or not saying something that's, you know, that at the time maybe isn't appropriate because, yeah, that's that's not our strength and that's certainly not something we've been trained in. Perhaps education has to change 
a little bit where we can't have teachers who say, well, I just care about science. I think we have to change the way we look at our jobs and say we are here to educate the whole kid. And sometimes that means you have to be able to work through some different skill sets and not be afraid of those things or off put by the idea of, oh my gosh, I can't believe we have to do this extra thing. My teachers never did this for me. Yeah. And maybe they should have, you know, <laughs> that's why you're a mess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why you're such a jerk. <laughs> the point of that too, is that, and we've said this many times, but it's, it's really hard to take care of kids if you are also not well. And so it comes back to, you know, everything we've talked about, about taking care of yourself as a teacher as well. I think being able to identify these issues in your own life and the things that you're struggling with can also make you a little bit more empathetic with your kids as they are dealing with what they're dealing with. Um, another big thing that I think would be helpful, and I know that health curriculum, you know, they have a lot to cover and not a ton of time to do it because at least in my experience, students usually only get a semester of health or maybe two semesters of health. And it might be smart for us to do more of that and have quite a bit of it be based in mental health and not just physical health. And maybe that means making your psychology classes core, like people have to take it. I think one of the challenges as like a health teacher, when you think about the spectrum of health and all the things that are covered in a freshman health textbook, you're talking everything from nutrition, physical health, and, and, and all the way to aspects of mental and emotional health. But I don't know if you're necessarily an expert on that as well. And so I think that would start from the beginning in terms of training our, our health uh, and even physical education instructors to kind of address uh, and, and learn more about that aspect of, of health as well. In order to make that so that you're not just skipping across the surface, but be able to take a little deeper dive into all of these things, perhaps two full years of health or even you know four years of health would be better. Doing that and, and, and having an entire semester that is dedicated to just mental health. And I think early too, you know, in the first few years of high school so that students start to, you know, and we've talked about this a few times already, but just that destigmatizing of that mental health is not a, an ailment that uh, you have to be afraid of or ashamed of. And, you know, again, like most kids have no problem uh, walking through the halls with crutches on. It's interesting that in our society, especially, we try to hide kind of our mental and emotional health issues. And But I think the more education we get and the more we understand that everyone's dealing with some level of that, um, that it's, it's easier to address before it gets, to, you know, serious. And I think with those kinds of classes, it would really empower students to be able to say this is the thing that is happening to me. And like naming something kind of gives you some level of control over it. When you understand what the problem is, uh, it becomes easier to deal with rather than just this mysterious, I don't know why I'm sad all the time, or I don't know why I can't concentrate on things. Um, being able to give students that empowerment, I think, is is super helpful. Going along with that in terms of what we can do in the school is providing more creative outlets as well, whether that be in the arts, music, physical activity, just providing more creative outlets for our students so that school doesn't have to just be about the quote unquote academic pieces of, you know, reading, writing, arithmetic, and giving kids opportunities to kind of shine and do things that uh, make them feel good. And I think going along with that, making sure that the school is not just a place of great academic rigor, but also a place of fun where kids can go and enjoy themselves and do fun things like uh, we just wrapped up 
homecoming week not too long ago and it was fun to see kids dressed up and kind of play around instead of it just being all I can do is read and write and all that stuff. So giving kids opportunities to play is always helpful. Wow, we covered a lot right there. Yeah, we did. How do you help your students maintain positive mental health in your school environment or classroom? Let us know by posting on our Facebook page or Twitter at School DuPod. And now, another word from Swearspace. Hey everyone, this is Chad, co-host of the podcast. You know, most of the time, students are pretty great. They usually work hard and are fun to be around, but every once in a while, their language does get a little out of hand. I mean, I know they say kids say the darndest things, but holy some of the stuff that comes out of their mouths is downright obscene. Now, most of the time, a quick reminder about language is all it takes to fix the swearing. But every once in a while, you get a student who can't seem to speak without a f***ing swear word mixed into every sentence. This used to be a huge problem until those clever sons of bitches at Swearspace came up with the ideal answer for my potty mouth pupils. The Swearspace is a soundproof vestibule that fits right inside my classroom. It allows the lewd lad or lady to stay in the room and receive instruction without scorching the ears of the innocent. Swearspace is easy to install, and I went with their standard package, which comes with breathing holes and a one-way hatch to allow for passage of school supplies or food and drink on those long block days. And for just a few bucks more, you can upgrade to the Squarespace Gold, which comes with instant fogging glass for those students who can be both an audio and visual distraction to the class. So, if you want to bring peace and quiet back to your classroom like I did, get off your in order today. You'll be fucking thrilled you did. Now back to the show. Welcome back. It's now time for our favorite segment of the show... Wait, what? Which is our opportunity to talk about whatever it is we can't get out of our heads. All right, man. So I got a couple things. First of all, I'm recording right now from my hotel room in Tacoma, Washington, where I uh, earlier today just did a presentation at the Northwest Math Conference. Woohoo! Yeah, I know we're going to do an episode on it in a little bit. I actually recorded my entire presentation. I'm excited to talk about that more in detail, but it went really well. I was I was very nervous. Luckily, I had a nine o'clock slot, so I was able to kind of just get up and get it done. Had a really great turnout. The room held 40 people, and I I would say there was probably about 65 or 70 in there, standing, sitting. Any squatting? Uh, there was a few squatters. Excellent, yeah. excellent. What was really frustrating is there were some large like ballrooms that people told me later were like there was like six people in like a 300 person ballroom for one presentation. Anyway, it went great. I haven't done something like that ever, but felt great afterwards to have it done, and then got to enjoy the rest of the conference. So yeah, so we'll talk about that more in detail in an upcoming episode. Importantly, did you plug the podcast? I did plug the podcast. It was. Uh, Right at the beginning, I had a big school deal logo, and I talked about being the co-host of a podcast, and I told them they could get out their phones if they wanted to right then and, and subscribe, and I didn't see anyone get their phones out. But <laughs> they were probably being very respectful and discreet about yeah, it. Yeah, sure. So, sure they uh, were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll see how our uh, subscribers' uh, numbers increase here in the next few days. The other thing I got to bring up is uh, as this episode drops, I just turned 40 years old. And if any one of our listeners have been listening for the last year, they know that on my 39th birthday, I set a goal to do 100,000 push-ups in a year. And so just real quick, a couple of the big numbers that basically broke down to about 275 a day. As of right now, as we record, I hit the 100,000 mark about a week early. So it took me about 357 days to do 100,000 push-ups. I had about a 10-day span. I had the flu really badly 
last year. I took about 10 days off. I, I was so sick. I didn't feel like doing a single push-up for about 10 days. That's how I feel um, every day. Yeah. I was like you for, for 10 days. <laughs> it must have it sucked, was dude. <laughs> it was the worst feeling. Um, I, there was about four days during the year that I just flat out forgot. I had two days where I did. One day I did 1,500 push-ups, and one day I did 1,000 push-ups. Those were both teacher work days, were like grading days. I just set a five-minute timer all day long, and every five minutes I do like 20 push-ups and uh, just kept track on my whiteboard. Throughout an entire year, when you're kind of focused on this one goal, you kind of have some interesting parts of it. And so those were a few of my kind of numbers. But you know what was really interesting, Clint? It, it was really probably the first time in my life that I've taken a goal that was so measurable, you know, that was just, it was simple. It was a number. And, and I was able to break it down into a daily goal. And it just made me think more about setting goals and accomplishing things that seem relatively hard. And that, you know, it really is about kind of breaking them down into something that's manageable. And I think for anyone out there, whether it be trying to do push-ups or improve something in your life, breaking things down into something that's more manageable and more doable. And here I am, a year later, I met it. I don't really want to do any push-ups for a little while. <laughs> I'm tired of them. Anyway, I made it. I did it. Well, good for you. That's exciting. So mine, I have been pretty stressed out this year. There's been a lot of changes at my work and some of them great and some of them difficult for me to deal with. And when I come home, the last thing I want to do is see other things that stress me out. But I'm also addicted to Twitter, which is terrible. Don't do it. It's like a drug. It's awful. And so then I see all of the news and I see everything bad that's going on and I just hate everything. So recently I started kind of dinking around on YouTube and I discovered this YouTube channel called Journey to the Microcosmos. And Journey to the Microcosmos is uh, made by Hank Green. Basically what it is is somebody has filmed hours of footage of tiny little microorganisms that live in like pond water and stuff. And they swim around and a very calm voice and some calm music tells you cool information about it. And it's like watching a nature documentary, but you don't feel bad because none of the penguins are getting eaten by seals. Instead, you are just getting to watch one blob consume another blob. And you don't feel bad for the other blob? No, you don't feel bad about the blobs because they, they aren't cute. They're just blobs. It's cool because you're learning this new stuff and it's really calm and some of it is just crazy to look at, but it has... We talked a lot about mental health. It's kind of saving my brain right now and keeping me from, from losing it. So, yeah, if you're interested, go to YouTube and look up Journey to the Microcosmos. Watch the first it. one. It's like eight minutes long. And uh, if you don't like it, I'm sorry, but I loved it. That's all that matters. That's right. What I care about, that's all that matters. That's right. Yeah. That's why we created our own podcast. So that's right. So we can we want. speak into the void and tell nobody that's listening. <laughs> what we think all right hey do you have a question about any of the stuff that we've talked about today do you want to share how you keep things calm in your classroom we have an email address for that contact us at schooljapodcast at gmail.com you can also follow me on twitter at Seahill astoria you can also find me on instagram at chatterboxes and at my web store chatterboxes.com and don't forget about our website schooljapod.com all of our sponsors are fake. What? I know, it's too bad. And as always, a big shout out to my wife, Nikki, for our wonderful theme song. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe. And don't forget to give us a quick rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help other people find us. Or if that seems too hard, you could just tell a friend to listen. Or you could hack into the mainframe, create a botnet, and contract with a foreign country to create ads that will shoot our podcast to the top of the charts. That sounds, first of all, illegal. 
and you obviously have no idea what you're talking about. Yes and yes. Thought so. <laughs> for the record, do not hack anything, people. And also, thanks for listening. Hey, we'll see you soon. I'm recording right now from my from <laughs> from your from my hotel room. Yeah. I, I should mention this, and I don't know if this is going to make the final cut here, but my entire floor of my hotel room is um, is boob-themed. Okay. Yeah, and it's a really nice hotel, but apparently Tacoma is a big glass art mecca, and there's some woman who is famous for making glass breasts. Huh. My floor, the seventh floor, is honoring her, and so there's a bunch of glass breasts. It's a it's a classy place. I, I'm not I'm not trying to say I'm living in some uh, smutty hotel here. But... How much does it cost to make your bed vibrate? <laughs> it's only a quarter. It's amazing. <laughs> I'm gonna cut everything but the boobs. I know.